What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. I tried doing these podcast things once. It wasn't wasn't for me. You weren't digging it. I just was like doing it for the at a financial firm on uh, investment portfolios, and I was like, "What? What am I doing here?" Did you go to school for that? No, no, no. I went to. I studied English. Oh, really? Uh huh. Were you going to be a teacher? No, just <laughs> just studied it for fun. No, I knew I could bullshit. You know, yeah. you could go into the classroom and just start bullshitting with people, and you know, whether or not you read it or not, or you got the spark notes offline, right? You're like, oh, you know, I really think that this is what the author meant. <laughs> Like what are you talking about? <laughs> I got I got caught with my tail between my legs a couple of times, but nothing bad. Yeah, it happens. So, something that I've loved about you since since our first interactions, which I would say were vicariously through Sloan. Sloan is yep. the one who mm-hmm. ended up connecting us with each other. Um, is you're a diehard Sitka guy? Yeah, diehard Sitka guy. Mm-hmm. And I'm a diehard Kuyu guy. Yep. And what I've loved about getting to know you and, and getting to be around you for, you know, the better part of the last like seven months, mm-hmm. eight months has been like, you don't care. Mm-mm. You're not worried about it. No, it's not, a you know, Mm-mm. and for so many people, that's such a hard line in the sand. Like, can't do this. Yeah. Can't deal with that. Yeah. Off the table. Right. You know, and, uh. That's a super admirable quality. Yeah. You know? You know, it, looking back on it with Birch Barrel, there's a few things that I could, like, point to that were, you know, paramount in my personal feelings about branding mm-hmm. and brands to maybe you do or you don't affiliate, whatever, but just brand loyalty or what inspires you which i think is really important mm-hmm. this day and age is that you want to be a part of brands that inspire you and i'll never ever forget it i was a senior in college this was pre the bir- first birch barrel i ever made in my backyard <laughs> this was pre anything birch barrel this was my first experience with a brand like yeti and a brand like sitka and i'll never forget it right i'm like it's a friday night we're getting ready to go out and we're watching youtube videos in our college apartment and it was this crappy old house in Gettysburg PA and we're watching these Yeti videos and this was this was in like when Yeti was really getting ready to start their upward trajectory um I mean obviously at that point they were growing but like they were going to be big 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 and somebody put on the film Dr. Duck which uh Ben Potter who you know Mm -hmm. Con Outdoors made that film and it's these guys down in I think they're down in Texas maybe Arkansas but they hunt you know, hunt ducks and they're obsessed with it. And I was a novice hunter at best at that point in my life. And I, just the way that I heard like duck calling and I saw the Sika logo flash across the screen and then the Yeti logo flash across the screen. I was like, Whoa, what's about to happen here? <laughs> and I was hooked like hook line sinker. I'm like, uh, you know, like I don't really know much about Sika, but I want to know more. Cause I, I just feel like, this is an exciting thing for me right now. It's like, this is, this is speaking to me as a brand. And so from then on, I, I dug into sick and I dug into Yeti and I've been very brand loyal to them. Obviously 
more well educated on all of it now having made friends with people who have worked at both brands and been able to use the gear and test the gear but you know it i try not to you know get political with it or anything like that but they inspired me when i was a kid who needed to be inspired and i've made friends with a lot of them and it's you know good brand with good people and doesn't mean i can't hunt with friends who wear anything else no exactly what what, what do i you know it makes no difference for me i think you and i can go hunting together someday that would be fun that would be fun Yeah. yeah hell yeah i'd be so down for that yeah so why don't you introduce yourself and uh, give a little background? Okay. I'll start with just so I'm Roby, Roby Birch. I'm the. And it's not Robbie. It's not Robbie. It's no, not. No. Because I, for a long time, called you Robbie, I think, just because of the spelling of your name. It's very possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. Just 26 years old now, so it's been 26 <laughs> years of people calling me Robbie, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. is what it is. Like, <laughs> I one time corrected somebody, they're like, is it Robbie? Robbie? I'm like, no, it's Roby. It's like Toby, but with an R. All right, and they, you know, I some people heard me say that. I haven't lived that one down to this day, but um, so yeah, no, I'm the founder and CEO of Birch Barrel, and been working on it for two years now. Yeah, um, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? That's what I'm getting at. Uh, that's where we got. Right, not okay. not okay. current day. We'll get there. Okay. We got a whole I, 26 years to no, get there. I know. I know. Uh, I grew up in Philadelphia, PA. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just outside of the city. Um, Do you love Philly cheeseburgers? I love Philly cheesesteaks. Che- cheese that's what I meant. Yeah. Cheesesteaks. Yeah, yeah. Cheese. Uh, Somebody you know, slaughter me on social media for that. Probably. But yeah, no, I'm a cheesesteak guy through and through. Yeah. Um, I was home for like three weeks recently. Mm-hmm. Got back to the gym today and the guys were like, like, it looks like you've been at the steaks again. I'm like, oh, you know it. They, you, know, <laughs> you know, that's my pre-workout now is a Philly cheesesteak. But um, it's a good one. We, yeah. So I'm originally from Philly, um, just outside, like I said, born and raised. Um, all, all 20 all 26 years or you know for the most part uh families from all from philly my dad was born and raised there um good place to be from uh, you know yeah you know sort of who doesn't love rocky and all those stories right what was it like growing up out there it was great uh, you know i because it's so much different from the west coast and what my right know, the large majority of my audience is right so it was different you know it's um hard to describe it's a little bit of a bubble right you know especially where I grew up. It was a pretty nice area. And, you know, but what's interesting is that from a young age, actually, I had a lot of exposure to Montana right off the bat. Um, longer story than that would be that my dad, when he was 16 years old, he and his buddy hitchhiked across the country to Saratoga, Wyoming, and worked at the XH Land and Cattle Company. And they loved it. My dad immediately became, in, you know, fell in love, fully immersed with all things ranching and, you know, wanting to be a cowboy. And, so basically from like day one when I was a little kid, that was it. Like, they, like it was like cowboy. Influence in the Western Influence in the life. Western thing. Like, you know, I was a kid in preschool who wore cowboy boots kind of a thing. And that was just a big one for me. They were like, we want, you know, and we had a farm, we had horses and all that. So just this whole idea to me was very cool. And then my dad, who, you know, he'd done well for himself. He was a really hardworking guy. He got a ranch out here. And my summer's were spent here from the time I got out of school to the time I had to go back, I was in Montana. So it really was, you know, think about it, 20 years of your life, three months, three months of every year spending it in Montana, 
you know, started out just sort of tagging along where I could. Next thing you know, it was like, all right, you're going to work for the ranch manager for the summer. And I became more and more in love with it by the day. And it just became an So you'd come out and go work for the ranch? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you start out doing like odd jobs and bullshit, bu- bullshit stuff and yeah. things to make you feel like you're earning a buck or two. But in reality, it's just your parents getting you out of the house for the day. <laughs> so they uh, don't have to deal yeah, with you. Right. And then um, right around the Get age on of, them for exactly, that. exactly. <laughs> right around 15, it was like, all right, you're going to work for somebody else. You're going to go work for another ranch. You're not going to sit at home all summer. So I went over to a ranch in Ennis and worked for a new boss for two months at a time and just strict ranch work you know wake up and work till the dot work till the day's done do you feel like that kind of maybe shaped or formed the way that you thought and the way that you approached life yeah absolutely like it gave you solid ground and 100 percent, absolutely um you know there's a lot of things like that that i i there's a i'm not describe it but like i it's a huge part of my life, formative, um, you know, way you conduct yourself, your work ethic, um, you know, not quitting till the job gets done kind of thing. Um, and that, and, you know, it's interesting like that and my family being really entrepreneurial, um, and having gone, grown up in a family where starting your own business was normal and not a, a it was, I mean, obviously it's always a risk, but it was also something that was encouraged and, wasn't encouraged to go into it half-assed. It was like, if you're going to do it, you got to fucking do it and work your ass off trying to get it done. So that was part of it for me. It was like, you're going to go out and you're going to work your ass off. So working from, you know, nine to five was never a thing. So, <laughs> and it's not in ranching and it's, you know, really shouldn't Sunrise be in general. Sunset. It's from the and time you get up to night. the time you go to bed. And that was part of it. And I, I found a lot of similarities between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, it, it was ranching was very important to my own personal development. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how I ended up, or how I'm how I'm doing right now. I yep. can't say I've ended up yet. I've got a lot to lot lot to. You're do. only 26, man. You 26, got, yeah. There's a lot of room to grow. <laughs> a lot of room to grow. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, totally. So for you, growing up, and obviously you were traveling back and forth. Um, through the east coast out to montana yeah. and you know kind of cutting your teeth mm-hmm. um did you have any influence growing up that you wanted to become a hunter yeah it's a good question um i always liked the idea of hunting not once as a kid growing up that i ever shy away from it mm-hmm. um and i think that there are kids nowadays who just it, it just doesn't fit their bill. It's, it's not, not it's socially not, acceptable. It's not, it's in not a lot socially of places, acceptable, yeah. and uh, but that was never the case for for me. Um, I, I think you know early exposure to hunting for me was like stuff at the ranch, right? You know, rabbits with the twenty two, whatever, and hunting out the ranch was very acceptable. Um, or you know, Montana, uh, waterfowl was definitely my first exposure, though, um, and. My dad, he was not good at it. He was not a good waterfowl hunter. Like, it was always literally and figuratively a wild goose chase. I mean, we would go out there and think we knew how to set decoys and think we had everything blushed, you know, brushed in and ready to go. And he had like a, 
12 gauge side by side double trigger shotgun i'm like this is in looking back on it, i'm like there was no way we were ever gonna hit anything i think i had a 22 in the blind with me right to mm-hmm. go to go goose hunting and it was just a, a farce but you remember that shit it was fun as hell um and you know and then an opportunity came duck hunting to go on the east coast and then an opportunity came to go duck hunting on uh down in arkansas and the more i did it the more i was like whoa this is cool this is really freaking cool. you really kind of fell in love with yeah it. i fell in love with it and i had started um we started hunting a lot of upland birds and getting into that you know part of it and that too was a big one for me um just you know so mainly wing shooting uh, that was where i got my start with all of it and you know a lot of fishing and you know eating fish and fly, fishing. fly fishing and you know yeah we had a ranch so like plenty of, you know, on the yellowstone so we fished all the time um so no the, the, i've hunting's never not been a part of something i wanted to do but it was a it was a build-up I, I would consider myself a novice to this day that's eh, underselling it a little bit maybe but <laughs> i because i i'm into it now um but leading up to that like you know i bird hunted a lot and then finally started getting into big game and you know now i'm pretty hooked on it and you were saying you kind of started really getting the bug for a big game after you watched that film and that was somewhere right in college well no so that was a waterfowl film so oh, okay. i got that was a waterfowl film called dr duck oh that's right and you that was that. that was my hook line sinker i'm like i'm in that was like i need i gotta do it and i got really really into it you know bought bought calls like the whole thing and just learned it from scratch um rudy who you met obviously was mm-hmm. like giving me lessons on how to blow a duck call via FaceTime because he went to school in Texas and I was in Gettysburg. But, yeah, no, it was duck hunting first. And then, um, let's see, that was the senior year of college. And then that following spring, uh, the spring of 2018, was when I started Birch Barrel. Um, I'd been working at a finance firm for eight months. And uh, I got to the point where I, even though it was a good job, a great job, I was just not happy. And... It sort of, again, goes back to that ranching mentality, which is like, I know what a full hard day looks like and feels like, and this is not it. Um, not that there weren't guys who were busting their asses at this company, but I just wasn't gratified. I didn't work that hard. I didn't enjoy my work. And so I knew there was something else out there that I could do. Do um, you feel like maybe that that had a lot to do with the fact that you were in an office? Uh, it 100% had And you to weren't do. outdoors? Totally. You know, and Working? Like, right. Totally. It had everything to do with that. But, you know, I was doing a lot of content work for him, a lot of film work, um, some podcast work. And I, you know, was watching a lot of, you know, watching a lot of videos and whatnot. And I would, you know, pretend like I was editing investment films, but I was watching Yeti films and (laughs) a lot of ranch films there. And I was like, I just am not being true to myself on this one. It's like, I need to go out and do what makes me happy and something that I know is gratifying. And, uh, you know, funny enough, at that point, we had already sold the bulk of our ranch. And so that was that connection to Montana for me was gone. And I, there was a real empty spot for me. Uh, you know, it's this place, once it gets in your blood, as you know, it's, it's hard to shake. I get it. And I so totally I get it. You totally get it. And, you know, I had a really, it took me a while. I had to convince a few people that I wasn't crazy, i.e. my parents. And <laughs> how'd that go? They told me not to quit. They're like, you need to stay at this first job for a year. And I'm like, I, 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 I can't do it. And I, you know, tried to tough it out and just, I could just feel inside that this was not a, that the opportunity for Birch Trail, although at the time seemed like a lark was big. I was like, I, I, I can, 
copy here or not copy but i can aspire and i can um i can see what other brands are doing and try and build that on my own mm-hmm. and so i hustled i got got out of school and just or out of school out of that job uh, i'll never forget the, the president of the firm was like you're supposed to give two weeks notice i'm like i got two hours <laughs> and then i gotta go so two hours and i gotta go and i got out of there and um started working on it the next day um really sort of got um, dove right into dove it. dove right in i got the right designer to do all of the you know industrial design work and he's incredible i mean obviously you've used and experienced the product a, a number of times now or you know, probably more than anybody and um he really did a great job with it so he was my first phone call. My second phone call, luckily enough, was to Ben Potter, who I don't think you can call a better guy, right? Yeah. I mean, he's ben friend, is the nicest he's guy. He's the nicest guy ever. And I'm meanwhile, I'm looking at his films he's made. I'm looking at his website. I'm like, this guy, he's never going to even give me the time of day. Like, he's, yeah. you know, he doesn't want to work with a startup company. that. And, you know, you call him and he gives me, like, oh, hey, man, like, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, like, well, it's, this will be really fun. We should work on it. He's like, yeah, let's do it. And um, He's in. He's in. And I was like, wow, this is even better. And the next thing you know, um, the first person who he introduced me to was Lyle Hebel mm-hmm. over at Stone Glacier. Um, Lyle does some brand work, and he's really <laughs> insightful in the outdoor industry. <laughs> he's like, Houston, fuck off, man. <laughs> Get out. Lay down. Oh, kennel. Oh, wow. There you go. Gunner uh, Kennels. Gunner Kennels. That's a good kennel. So, yeah, he introduced me to Lyle, and um, <laughs> I was out here. I, I made a trip out here to go uh, work on a ranch for a little while just because I had, well, you know, I was just doing laptop work at this point. I was by myself. didn't have anyone working with us at that point. Um, and I hit up Lyle because he was doing our brand work. And I said, hey, like, I'm thinking about moving this brand to Montana. Uh, what do you think? And this was, and we met up at Map Brewing, and uh, we, we were, you know, we were, one beer in and then another beer in and like they call me a lightweight i was three beers in and i was like yeah i really think you know there's a, it's a great community here you know a lot of other brands are right down the road and we all you know we, got, we have friends here we have friends here we can we can help you out and next thing i'm like we're moving to bozeman montana mm-hmm. birch barrels moving to bozeman and i'm like holy shit like how did this happen and it was the best decision i've ever made it's you know it was it's been the best thing for us so what was your inspiration in wanting to get into charcoal barbecues? Uh, it's a good question. Because, I mean, you're coming out of finance and, like, quasi-thinking about ranching and, yep. you know, the outdoors yeah. and all that kind of stuff, as well as falling in love with hunting. And then... Yep. No, it was... It, it's, it's funny, actually, you mentioned that. Um, I had been cooking for a, a long time. Like, I remember when I was... When I was in high school and I had all my buddies out in Montana, like, big thing for me was, like, hey, guys, we're going to go... We're going to go camp one night and you know, you know, truck camp, whatever. And we'd take a pickup and unload a grill. And we had also had a lot of guys from uh, like Argentina come up to the ranch and hang out in the summer times and work it and all that. And they sort of showed me some of the Argentine style of grilling. So sort of asado style, um, or I guess in California, they have Santa Maria style is pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole thing for us was, you know, cooking over charcoal or live coals for them. And I was like, this is cool. This is really has always piqued my interest. Um, so we did that a lot. Um, and I got pretty handy with it. It was a pretty good camp chef and could make you, you know, burger steaks, you name uh, potatoes, all that fun stuff. Dutch oven, pretty good with that. And I just loved it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And then the really exciting thing for me was when I started roasting pigs. When I was in high school, my dad had showed me how to roast a whole hog. And 
Meanwhile, he didn't know what the fuck he was doing. Did right? you ever use the Lakaha? No. Fuck no. no. I make my own. I, I, oh, I, really? No, 48 cinder block pit. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're out. At two, we're talking 200-pound hogs. Oh, um, wow. For a ton of people. I mean, the biggest pig I've ever cooked is like a 95-pound pig. But it, no, this it is. It was in the Lakaha box. Yeah, no. Which is kind of cheating. It's kind of cheating. No, no. We'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll cook you a real pig one day. I'm um, down for that. And we have our own flip-flop sauce for that one, right? Yeah, like, I bet. We have our own family, you know, which, by the way, it's not a secret. I'll be happy to give it to you. But <laughs> you mix it all up, and it's just like whiskey-based, basically. And so that was done with charcoal. And I, but this whole idea of like, putting an animal on at the beginning of the day or bright and early. Like, well, I guess I, when I was in college, we were putting them on at like 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. for a 2 p.m. serve time kind of a thing. Um, but you splay the pig open and you flip it and you put it in this like rack that we built from scratch and it's all wire and pipe and uh, cinder blocks. And you just use Kingsford charcoal, which I know you and I are both big fans of the Kingsford brand. Yeah. Um, it burns the hottest. And that was, you know, I was buying big, 120 pounds worth of charcoal to go run through a whole pig um doing it for 12 hours and it's funny too because i never thought about it especially with the way birch barrels worked out with this brand being a product that brings people together pig roasting was that in college for me right 100 and it's where i made the first birch barrel and had it present when i was cooking pigs because we were sitting outside all night and it was fucking freezing and we were sitting around throwing logs in the birch barrel that was hanging from a clothing rack at the time not a tripod yeah and cooking pigs and just having a good time and that became um, a, a constant for me. I did. I, people paid me to cook pigs for them for a while, um, and it was a blast. But I, uh, you know, not, you know, you're not going to pay your bills roasting pigs. Yeah. But that was sort of the first exposure I had to um, to cooking with charcoal. It was with big, big cinder block pits, and then you know started just messing around with it from there. So it's always, it was never like a, a passion thing for me. I was never like I, I want to be a chef or I want to make outdoor cooking products but it just sort of worked out that way mm-hmm. so i'm definitely not a chef though i'm a pretty good griller but that's about it that's about it yeah so what i love about the birch barrel is that it's insulated mm-hmm. so how did you even come up with the concept of what you wanted to do it's a that's a good question um so if we've had like 15 evolutions of the design mm-hmm. of the main product and I, I don't know if you've ever even seen the original the picture nope. of the original one. i'd love to though can i do it now like, yeah while we're talking about this hell yeah you can okay so this is no bullshit but so when i was a senior in college it was literally like fall day whatever and my parents just left for parents weekend they were, I mean, my, dad, my dad like woke up on sunday morning was like All right, you know and uh, usually everyone's going to lunch with their breakfast with their parents and then they go my dad's like it's 6 a.m i don't want to be here anymore like adios and just laughed i'm like see ya yeah love you too dad um and i remember that day it was like you'll see in the picture like it makes sense it was sort of cold fall day and i was like i really really feel like it's like a fire pit day kind of a thing um but i also wanted to do some grilling some drinking just whatever and i had seen this product and the one that i was thinking about it's like 2000 bucks and 500 pounds. I'm like, this is out of the question. I'm not, I, I can make something that's way cooler than that or as cool as that, I should say for no money. So mm-hmm. I, you know, got my pickup and went over to tractor supply company and bought what I thought would work as a fire pit. And this is what I ended up with. So literally <laughs> galvanized feed trough yeah. attached to a couple of 
ch- tow hooks and chains and that plumbing clothing rack we found in the dumpster outside of my house in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, people gave me a hard time. Like, you don't want to burn in a galvanized trough or at least eat food off of a, gal- a burning yeah. galvanized trough because it's going to kill your brain cells and all that. And I'm like, yeah, it's too late for that anyway. <laughs> and so I actually talked to my uncle that day who's a big gearhead, loves working on cars. He's a big metal worker. Um, he's in the quarry business, so he's always sort of picking up cool shit and crushing rocks and I'm like, yeah, great. Let's, let's do that. Um, and he was like, you should use an actual barrel for this, like a 55 gallon drum. Cause he always had burn barrels going at his place. And we actually, so we, he took a 55 gallon drum and cut it to two thirds its original height. And so it made it a little bit less deep. And I was like, okay, no, but I really want it to be suspended. I want it to be hanging. I don't know why, but I think that that's a really cool concept. And that led us to this, where we had the barrel hanging on the first one. And it was actually pretty cool. I used to slide that thing back and forth. If I wanted to cook on one end and have my pit somewhere else, it, it worked out well. Lo and behold, ended up not being able to travel with that one much and ended up with the first tripod that I had a welder build for me. Mm-hmm. And this was our prototype number one. Get this, the fuck I out swear here. to God. That was prototype number one. Um, and That's I, so awesome. It was cool. It was really cool. And, like, I remember it was, like, my dad who, um, you know, I'll reference him a lot, but he, the guy's my hero. So I, yeah, I, reference yeah, him um, all you need, man. He, he was just, like, this shape. There's something about that shape that's very unique. striking and unique when you see it for the first time. It's and you're bold. Like, it's bold, and it's just you see it, and you're like, well, like that's, it's cool. And I, I, you know, I think that we've got, that's an edge for us. Um, but he, it took some convincing to get me to take it from what that was, um, to ever even consider making a business out of it. Mm-hmm. At first I was like, yeah, this is just like, this is just a piece of gear that I use for hanging out with my friends and yeah. then never thought of a, a commercial opportunity for it. I just wanted to, you know, <laughs> like I said, <laughs> drink beer and cook shit with my friends. And, uh, that's all it was. And, you know, so fast forward to, graduate you know going through the finance thing and then quitting my job and being like birch barrels it that's gonna that's what's gonna make me happy is starting to you know building a brand around this key anchor product and i just ran for it um and so we started playing with it and i think i actually even have more photos that i can pull up and not even photos but it's like let me see you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna dig this but these are all the original sketches I saw that. Yeah. You posted that on Instagram. Did I? Recently, yeah. Okay. Or someone did. Someone might have, yeah. And then this is, you know, so we went through every possible. That's kind of neat looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, and like I, the first time I saw that, the designer sent it over. And I'm like, yep, that's it. We're done. <laughs> like, yeah. We, we've, we've done all the design work we need to do. And now let's go make it happen. And it slowly evolved more and more until it got to this point. Um, you know, I think that they were totally, they, I love those guys to death. They they totally tricked me, right? They're like, yeah, let us make one more adjustment, one more tweak. And the next thing you know, like what we started with and what we ended with are two totally different things. 13 but, designs yeah, 13 later. 13 <laughs> designs later. Um, but, you know, we realized that while we wanted to be simple in nature in the, to the extent that it was a – all it really is is a charcoal grill and fire pit, something for people to sit around and hang out and be with each other and be present, it needed to be technologically advanced. It needed to have things that gave it – the edge and the wow factor. So, you know, being able to raise and lower the height that your coals sit inside of the barrel itself mm-hmm. was 
something we saw as a huge opportunity. Um, you know, lowering the lid and attaching it to the pistol or to the lock collar and raising it up in the air so you could, you know, hover smoke or you could um, add more charcoal, work on your coals. Also, well, something like how Ryan cooks on it a bunch. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. He does that scorching fire, you know, yep. scorching flame and he just mm-hmm. raises it up yep. off the barrel a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I'm pretty particular with how I cook with mine, but like I rarely is the grill grate down on the actual barrel. I'm usually hover, sm- hover smoking something or, you know, I'll reverse sear steaks. It's probably my favorite way to do it. Which yeah. is, yep. Yeah. A lot of people are confused as to what a reverse sear is. So when you, that's when you, you know, you bake it, right? You essentially bake and, you know, get the interior cooked first just by hot air and concentrated hot air. And from the from your you know coals underneath and then once you know that you're at the right temperature on the internal side and you have a really rich smoky flavor i mean you can do it in an oven but it's not nearly as good and then you drop your lid down raise your coals up a little bit and you just flame sear both sides of it and it's like perfect you get a really it's not nice putting it on top of a uh, butter covered right 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 exactly <laughs> cast iron mm-hmm. no dish. no we, we do i do it right on the barrel yeah um but you get like you know a reverse good, searing happens over fire. That's yes, what I'm getting at. Exactly. Yeah. No, you have to. Um, yeah. Not over a cast iron skillet, but no, man. I mean, it's it's. So you asked about insulation, which is how we got here. But we <laughs> we, we went through 13 different, as you can see, 13 different iterations of the barrel, and you know, it it always came back to simple in nature, advanced technology, um, and it, I think it's. You know, we we did well on the first run, so yeah. but it's only gonna get better. So. Yeah, I'm something that I love so much about the barrel. Um, as someone who's cooked over direct heat, mm-hmm. high heat, um, you know, for hour, hour and a half at mm-hmm. a time. Yeah. When I'm doing a flip flop, my biggest concern mm-hmm. always. Yeah. With children around doing family barbecues, because yeah. that's how I'd roll. You know. We, yeah all my friends you know we're in our 20s mm-hmm. everybody's having kids everyone's getting married except yep. for me right you know and then everyone has kids running around but they all want to be close to the barbecue they all yeah. want to see what's going on right next thing i know a kid touches a barbecue and now they got a burn on their hand right it's a problem it's a real problem yeah it's like a serious problem yeah. especially as a homeowner oh totally you know like who knows kids, especially dogs whacking their head into the thing yeah, yeah you but know it's a, it's a bummer it's a lawsuit in yeah. california Oh, I believe it. Easily. Yeah. So, one of the things that most amazed me about it was after cooking on it for mm-hmm. four hours one day. Yeah. And we had also run campfire in it. Mm-hmm. I could touch the side of the barrel. Yeah. I mean, I would never recommend for anybody to do it. No. You know? Well, and I don't either. It's 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 a, it's a cool party trick that you can place your hand on the side of it while you're, while you're burning in it. Um, and not you, burn your hand and off. And not burn your hand. You, you know? It's a warning, right? You yeah. get it and you're like, oh, I better not. Yeah. But it's not piping, right? You're not, it's not like you're yeah. going to touch it and, you know, melt your take hand. skin off your hand. Yeah. yeah exactly. You know, and, and I, I just, for me and, and for someone who really, like, that's a, always had been a big concern. Right. When I first started to get to use a barrel, that was like one of the coolest things about it. Yeah. It's like, well, I don't I have to. remember you telling me that. You're like, Every other grill that I've used, I've just burned the crap out of my hand the yeah. entire time I cook a flip-flop. I hardly, like, yeah. and so what you're talking about when I was mentioning that to you was actually how much I would burn my hand because my hand would be over so much of the heat. Yeah. 
right? And so the heat is so directed in a birch barrel, it's coming yeah. straight up. Yep. It doesn't flow out the sides. And, right. You know, however, you know, it's directed. And uh, I can cook over it, mm-hmm. and there's no heat on my hand. I'm right. not burning my hand off. Right. You know, sometimes with the knife, depending on right, how close right, I'm right. cutting or if I'm using a 10-inch blade or a 14-inch blade. And, right. You know, the, where I'm at in the cook, but... Right. I... You know, I joke around with people now and then where I'm like, I basically don't have any hair on my right hand anymore just from the amount of times I've, like, <laughs> lit the barrel. Just flames go around. Yeah. Occupational hazard at this point. But mm-hmm. it's all good. So did you ever think that you'd be getting to where you are now with, with a barrel? Uh, you know, knock on wood, things are going really well for us right now, which I'm very excited about. And by no means can I take all the credit for it. I've Mm -hmm. been extraordinarily lucky to be surrounded by a lot of people who I've been able to get excited about what we're doing and explain to them that like, listen, I am a young guy and I need, I need, I don't want to say assistance, but I need guidance and I need people who know what they're doing in order to help me make this thing go. And that's been a big leg up for us is that we've been able to go to people who are eager to help. And I think that's really important. Um, and, I think knowing what you don't know is the best advice I could give to anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, know what you don't know and then find somebody who knows how to do it. Um, You know, I I have nothing but, you know, high hopes and know that we're not going to get anywhere without hard work, but it's, I'm really happy with how things are going right now. Um, And especially now it's just, there's a lot of momentum. It's very exciting. We're seeing, you know, consumers getting their barrels in their backyards and saying like it, it exceeded my expectations, right? Like people were stoked on it. And yeah. even up the other day when we were cooking together, it was just like, those guys were, they're excited about it. They're like, this is cool. This it's is different. actually really yeah. awesome. And so, you know, we're still pushing the proof of concept, right? Where it's just like, we've built it, we've made it. Now we just need to convince other people. And we have, but even more so where people are just stoked on what they're doing, on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes a while, a lot of work, a lot of hard work, but you know, I'm, you know, every day I wake up and I can't wait to do it all over again. No, that's all. Yeah. That's what it, that's what life's that's what about. That's what it's all about. You so, know, that's the American dream in a nutshell. Totally. No. And it's, you know, just what a great product to be able to use every day and a great way to share your experience with others is, you know, sharing food. So you know. now is any of this wrapped up in you wanting to go hunting? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, uh, so back to the insp- my inspiration from it all was that yeti film back in the day and it was like that you know i want this is what i want to do and that that aspirational marketing of like me watching that from my college dormitory being like why would i be wanting to sit here when i could go hunt ducks in montana <laughs> i was like this product and this brand it makes a lot more sense in the outdoor industry because we're going to be have the ability to tell stories and to market that way and to Con, you know, drive our content, our marketing, and our, you know, I'm trying, I'm using the word marketing a lot, but drive our content based on the outdoor mantra, spending time together. Um, another thing that I feel very passionately about is that there's nobody who knows more about the food that's going on their grill, than the guy who's caught it, killed it, or raised it. Um, so hunting, fishing, ranching, and all things that are very important to me. Um, and that seemed to be a really, an easy way to connect with people is, you know, let's go hunt and we'll, you know, cook with cook something on the barrel um we did that with ben potter this year i killed my elk and then we went and put the tenderloins on a barrel it was awesome (laughs) it was like you know so 
ultimately the the bigger picture is this product bringing people together after you know the celebration of some sort of pursuit of whether it's elk hunting deer hunting you know going out and fishing or you know end of day after working on the ranch it was all centered around this outdoor lifestyle um you know how do you have an incredible culinary experience on this product out outdoors it's all about being outdoors Mm -hmm. um so we want to enhance the outdoor cooking experience more than anything that's sort of our our goal at the end of all this is you know be a place where people can really see that that you know we're a brand that enhances that experience for you so you mentioned going on that hunt with ben yeah so was that your first hunt your first Mm -hmm. big game hunt when i had a tag it was my first when i had a tag in my pocket yeah yeah yeah, it's crazy. Um, so talk about that experience. Talk about, you know, going from duck hunting, yep. you know, and, and kind of falling in love with duck mm-hmm. hunting and then maybe graduating or moving forward into yeah. prolonging so, your hunting season. So I, it, it's funny you mentioned that. So that same trip where I came out here to um, when I was just getting Birchville going, when it was like fall of 2018 or something like that. I came out to work on a ranch and I was going to meet with Lyle and the ranch I was staying at had also given permission to an elk hunter in September to go out and bow hunt. And I sort of like relatively timidly, I was like, Hey, like, do you just mind if I tag along with you tomorrow morning? Um, and he's like, yeah, sure. And so like frantically, I like went from Ennis to Bozeman, like went to Murdoch's and like bought like a sick of hat and a sick of shirt. I'm like, I need camo. Like I, like I had no idea what I, I need did. Gear. I need gear. And I went back the next day, happened to have a pair of hiking boots with me and put them on and went out with them the next morning. And this ranch was pretty impressive. It's got, you know, a lot of, you know, irrigated hay fields and whatnot, and then really nice high timber country where the elk will just migrate right up there and they'll come down at night and feed. And so you get two shots at them during the day, um, you know, once in the morning, once at night kind of a deal. And you know that they're going to be on this, this beat. And... I went out with him and I'll never forget it. Like, and you, you, you obviously know the experience and it's the cliche that all elk hunters have, which like first time you hear a bugle in the wild and you're like, Oh shit, yeah. that was cool. And I didn't even have a bow in my hand. Right. Like I was just along a for long the ride. ride and you know, I'm like kind of exhausted from hiking <laughs> I'm like, oh. and all of a sudden I hear that bugle and I'm like, this is the coolest thing I've ever experienced. Like this was awesome. And then that was the morning hunt and we didn't have much luck. And then that night, um, we were getting pretty close to a herd and I couldn't really keep up with the guys. And he was like, you know what? You stay here for a second or for, you know, hang out here and I'll be back. Like, I'm going to try and close the distance here. And I just sat on the top of this hill in Ennis and, you know, on this ranch and looked down and just saw elk everywhere. Just like bulls pushing cows around and, you know, you know, getting ready to go and get after it, all this thing, all these things. And, you know, you hear them barking at each other and you also hear bugles and you're just, sun's going down over the Madison Valley and I'm like holy shit like it was incredible to me I'm like I have to do this next year like I have to um and so you know that spring I made sure I put in my for my tag and I got lucky enough to draw a special permit for a bull for a trophy region and uh went out and was like game on this is it um I I knew I wanted to do it with a rifle for my first one just because killing an elk with a bow for the first time is probably pretty intimidating. And my first one, I didn't want to have any screw ups or anything like that. Uh, and we wanted to make a film. We wanted to do a film because it sort of harnessed the, 
the the reason for being for Birch Barrel, I thought, mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, we love the idea about the guy who goes out. The experience. Oh, the experience, you know, waking up, getting up early, go out, hunt all day, and then come back after you've killed an elk, killed a big bull, um, which is hanging right here. Yeah. And, you know, eat it on the grill. I mean, it's, it's the full cycle. Um, I mean, people have been doing this for millennia, right? I mean, since the days of hunter and gatherers, people have been going out, get finding hunting meat, and then going home and cooking it. Um, and so we tapped into that and that was, you know, it was pretty cool having that experience myself finally for, with big game. Um, my bull was the, obviously the biggest animal I've killed yet. Um, and it was an unforgettable experience. Have you eaten all of it yet? Uh, I think I have a little bit left over. I've yeah. got some sausage and I've got some, uh, some rounds left. So I gotta, gotta finish that off. What was your favorite part of the animal? I mean, <laughs> listen, you can't, it, it, any of those chops are going to be tough. I did like roasts a lot. I uh-huh. really liked my elk roasts. Um, made a bunch of like summer sausage and stuff like that and salamis, which was always good. But, uh, you know, there, I did, there wasn't much that I didn't like. Um, I shot up one of the tenders, so I was, I was down to one and, you know. So it goes, first, though. First time, so it happens, right? Yeah. Um, it was cool. You were, you were out during the opener this year, too. You were around. Yeah, I was around. It was gnarly. It was a gnarly day. It was a cold day. It was like, we went to sleep. The camp was like 55 degrees. Woke up. It was like 10 degrees, foot of snow. It was like, yeah, it was like negative 12 shit. where I was. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. It's tough, but <laughs> it's part of the game, right? Yeah. Let's elk hunting, man. Oh, it's the best. 100. Was, I'm, I can't wait. I'm giddy. Are you ready for next year? Totally. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't draw as well this year but i'll still get out there yeah i didn't draw a montana tag this year yeah, you did. not yet so uh, maybe geez. i'll get lucky on the surplus tag or something surplus like tag list yeah. uh, it's gonna be a good year it'll be fun yeah. you know got the i got my i got my general so i'm good i'm good gonna go out and get it done my try with my bow this year too yeah so how's your family been supportive so far of it and and your your jump into this entrepreneurship eh, incredibly supportive um we, you know, like I said, we've always sort of, my family's been entrepreneurial forever, as far as I can tell. Um, you know, all sort of started with my grandfather back in the day. He had a job and was doing fine as a salesman, lived on the road, loved staying in shitty hotel or shitty motels on the side of the highway <laughs> and like living out of his briefcase and eating junk food. And finally, one day he came home and he was like, I am going to start my own business. Um, and he quit his job and he had my dad and his two brothers and their younger sister and a wife at home and a house and a mortgage and all that. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to start my own business. And I think he failed right away. And he did it. And then he went and tried another business and that one ended up working for him. And he was a, I think he started selling, he was a manufacturer's rep for rock crushing equipment under his, as his own boss. And then he was started making the rock crushing equipment himself and going out and doing industrial sales and, built a really nice business and then brought my uncle into the business with him. And that business still exists today. Um, and then I think that that entrepreneurship though, that ability, that wanting to go work for yourself and build something obviously rubbed off on my dad and my uncle and they were in college and started selling women's sweaters at the dormitories, mm-hmm. um, and built a really great business together. Um, literally go to girls colleges with their car and open up the trunk and sell sweaters out of it. And they're making really good money for kids in college. And, uh, went on to order a big bulk shipment from a sweater knit, you know, a factory, maybe it was somewhere overseas. I think it was in like Scotland or something like that. Um, 
and sold their first batch of sweaters and then they kept building their sweater business and he's been a serial entrepreneur since then and so growing up i was always exposed to his involvement in other brands and businesses um everything from you know growth phase businesses to startup businesses um and it was never like i'm gonna be a side investor for this and i hope you do well it was he just dive dove right in on every single one being as involved as they let him be mm-hmm. um and it was cool it was just awesome being surrounded by that um the other thing that like we my sisters and i always talk about with my dad is that and with my mom and all because my mom and dad worked together and that's how they met or my mom worked for my dad back at one of, their, one of his businesses there was no such thing as like you know, we're not bringing our ch- children to work or anything like that. It's like, my dad took us everywhere, like business meetings where people are dressed up in suits and like, here we are, like bringing in like etch sketches and shit like that <laughs> to the board meeting. And we're like, he's like, yeah, my kids are going to be here. They're going to be a part of it. Um, which, you know, looking back on it was really cool and learned a ton, you know, and even ranch meetings I would always go to. And it was always a part of that process of learning just by being there. Um, and, you know, one of the things my dad always taught me and my sisters growing up was like, listen, I can't teach you how to be a doctor and I can't teach you how to be a lawyer, but I can definitely teach you how to get into business for yourself and how to go out and turn an idea and take an idea and turn it into a concept and that concept and turn it into a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and we all sort of showed tendencies of being entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial. And now it's at the point where my sisters have started their own business. Um, I've started Birch Barrel and... So we have two startups at our family household at one time and my dad's still doing his thing and helping out with other businesses. So the dinner table is always like some sort of business conversation or some, some new idea. Um, but it's a it's ultimately a family business for us. Now we constantly talk about these new ideas and we're always supporting each other. We are always talking about ways to improve each other's businesses. Maybe not directly. I mean, there's no way a birch barrel can help Neely and Chloe sell a handbag, but at the same time, like things that they've learned, they can give to me. And, um, every now and then they come to me for advice and ask for or a lead on somebody to help them out. I'm like, yeah, I can help you. Sure. And I always feel a little proud of myself when I do that, uh-huh. but it's a good time. So are you the youngest? Or are you the oldest? Yeah, or yeah, the yeah. Middle? I'm the youngest. I'm the, I, You're the baby. Well, I have two, I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Now. Oh, okay. uh, so I was the youngest for 16 years. My parents, uh, got scared of being empty nesters so they had two more kids good for them yeah they're it keeps them young they love it yeah they love it um yeah my little brother turned 10 the other day he's uh-huh. he's the man that's so cool my sister's crazy but it's all right <laughs> uh but yeah so we're a big family loud uh so know. does that make five of you then five kids yep, five yep, kids yep we're, we're we're a big gang we we are now both my sisters are engaged they have there's, you know, their fiancés and we're now we're nine. So, yeah, you know, we all got quarantined together too. We all, we all got how'd stuck. That, how'd that go? There were a lot of fights, a lot of fights, <laughs> you know, and we'll go toe to toe. Like my, especially my oldest sister and I, just cause I think we're very similar, but we will just, we'll kill each other if you give us the opportunity to do yeah. it. Yeah. But you know, love each other at the same time. Yeah. That's family. Though, no, right? it's family. And we, we have a great time together and no family's perfect. No family's perfect. Never. No, we, <laughs> it's funny. Cause my dad, my dad and my brother and I drove out here from uh, PA the other day and you know, 30 hours in the, in the car. That's a lot of road. It's time. a lot of road time. And everyone, everyone and asked like how to go. I'm like, Anytime something doesn't end in tears or a fight at the Birch household, we're doing something right. Like something worked out. <laughs> so okay. it didn't end in no, tears no, or no, a fight. No, it was yeah. super, uh, very easy going. We had a great time. Yeah. It was, it was really fun. Good, man. Yeah. No, you know, 
road trip with your dad and your brother, it doesn't get much better. Right. Yeah. Right. So in every podcast, there's, there's a dead eye minute, right? Okay. It's the dead eye question. Um, dead eye, as you know, they make hats and t-shirts, yep. make really, really comfy socks. I love their socks. It's definitely been flip-flop weather. And by flip-flop, I mean flip-flop shoes. Right. Sandals. Right. Um, so I haven't had their socks on. Well, it is always flip-flop weather, if you think about it from your perspective. Yeah. Right? But it's right. always birch barrel weather. Let's grill, grill up a leg. I'm always I'm yeah. always game for that. Um, so my, my dead-eye question for you would be, you spent the last two years yep. building this brand. Yep. Um, and uh, really putting your heart and your soul into yep. it and, and, you know, trying to break barriers and yeah. boundaries and in a way, you know, reshape the backyard barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's your, what's your end game? What's your goal for it? Is it, is it to be long-term and own this company forever? Is it mm-hmm. to build this company and, and sell it off or what, it, what is your, have you even gone down and ventured down that road? I have, I have. Um, the answer is I don't, ha- I don't have an answer for, I think long-term involvement's an, an obvious goal. Um, you know, it just being the guy who started it and being able to speak to it with the amount of passion and vision I have for it, I think is important. Um, you know, the the gain in it, the potential gain with prosperity would be awesome um, with winning. But I, I remember actually talking when I first started coming up with the brand idea, I the most important thing for me and was I wanted to build a brand that people believed in and want to be a part of. Um, and that meant, you know, wearing the shirts and hats and, you know, being truly, you know, in, inspired by a brand the same way I was when I was looking for something to be inspired by. And that's what was my, my focus and my goal. So if I, you know, can enhance the outdoor cooking experience and we can create an incredible brand and line of products that all focus on, you know, exactly what we're talking about, this enhanced cooking experience in the outdoors, because it's a, a way you should cook is cooking outside, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's part of it. But creating the brand that people believe in and want to be a part of was really important to me. Uh, and if I can do that, then I'll, I, I'll feel very gratified, um, if that's the right word, mm-hmm. with with that. Um, you know, I'd love to make some money off of it. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like, I want to, you know, I want to build a, a brand. I want to have, you know, a group of people who are crazy about cooking on their birch barrels. And I want to see the growth and I want to see, you know, a following. But, it, you know, having that devotion to a brand the way that I've, you know, aspired to be a part of a group of people who are affiliated with Yeti or Sika for that matter or Kuyu for others. I mean, it's just like really, really important to me. Stone Glacier does the same thing. So, I mean, yeah. all very important for me um is the this idea of brand more than anything else mm-hmm. you know and but, what made you want to use your last name it's a funny story actually mm-hmm. funny story i didn't even want to call it birch barrel i i, I mean i can tell you where i was i was sitting at the you know the finance guy that i was working for like hey we need you to go out and i was the i was the marketing guy and i was also like the the swag guy right like go buy some stuff, put our logo on it and then give it to everyone so they can wear it around. 
And so they're like, go get some, some something for us to embroider. So I go down to like the Orvis shop and get some, I think they had like Sims vests because they're like attached to a fly shop. And I was like sitting, at this point I knew, I was like, fuck this, I'm out. Like, I don't want to work here anymore if you guys are sending me on errands. Like, right. And I, I go out and I'm sitting in my pickup in the parking lot and I, I had the idea for the barrel. That's all I knew. It was, it was the barrel. It's, it didn't have a name. It didn't have a purpose. Nothing. Um, all I knew was I wanted to start my own business. So I enlisted the help of a online graphic designer to help me do some early stage branding. And the guy, we, I, I kept going through like ideas and like what the brand was. And I'm like, well, let's call it Kettle, Kettle Grills or something like that or the Hanger Bucket or something. It's something stupid. And like finally, I'm like, you know what? let's just use my last name for now as a place saver. And then when I come up with the name that I like, that's what we'll call it. And he's like, okay, so what do you want to call it? I'm like, just call it Birch Barrel for now. And he was like, wait, what? I'm like, Birch Barrel, just call it Birch Barrel. We'll just call it that for now. And he was like, that's an incredible name. And I'm like, no, it's not. That's the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and it started to stick. And I was like, shit, God damn it. And now I still, I can't get used to it when some people call it the birch or let's birch this. And I'm like, can you please stop talking like that? <laughs> and, uh, that was it. I, I named it that and got too far down the road where I couldn't change it. Yeah. And I think it fits it pretty well. I, you know, I'm biased, but yeah, you know, I, I like our logo a lot. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a solid B. It's dude. a solid B. Yeah. That was, and that was my, you know, solid B would give me too much credit, but I was a solid, <laughs> I was a solid C guy more growing up, but no, it's cool. I mean, we, it's, it's, it's been fun. And you know, it, I, uh, Lyle did all of our brand work and everything like that. And it's, it's fun to see how it evolved and, you know, here we are. So yeah. hopefully we got B bars, stickers all over the place before long. Right. I, yeah. I mean, I carry a pack around in my pickup and just slap them on the back of cars now and then <laughs> just for fun, just for fun. Yeah. Guerrilla marketing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, yeah. I've got a couple ideas for guerrilla marketing. Oh, just, there you go. Yeah, just you wait and see. I'm we'll ready see. for it. Yeah. Right on, yeah. man. Well, do you have anything else that you'd like to say about it or? No, I think I'm good. Yeah. I think I'm glad we were able to talk about it. Yeah, man. You know, this has been a, it's been fun working together. I'm excited for, for yeah. more. I mean, I've loved it, dude. Yeah. I've loved it. I remember that when, when Sloan first showed me what a birch barrel was yeah. um, that night yeah. in Utah. Well, I saw totally you. I gay. saw, I saw it and I saw Sloan. I'm like, you know, what, like, what the fuck is going on? This guy cooking on a Weber grill in front of like, yeah. I'm like, and I texted Sloan. I'm like, dude, I'm going to give you a barrel so that you can stop yeah. getting these guys to cook on these charcoal grills like this. And he's like, no, 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 you don't want that. You gotta partner with this guy. This is your guy. He's gonna help you. And I'm like, great, done. <laughs> that's what we connected. Yeah, man, done deal. And so. it's been an adventure, dude. Shit, yeah. I mean, that barrel I've got's got, got uh, twelve thousand miles on it, and uh, has been everywhere from a wild sheep capture to that was the one that got put on a pack saddle, right, and hauled into your guys' cowboy camp. Yes, that that's one. Sick. That one. No, no, no. That's what we were gonna try and do. Yeah. And then COVID happened and shut everything down gotcha yeah yeah Man, we, we we got sloan to thank for all this though yeah. so that's good yeah but yeah yeah we were we were gonna pack it up into the back of cowboy camp with the kika pig hunts yeah and uh i gotta do that next year after the first week of pig hunts mm-hmm. coronavirus. coronavirus it actually it actually happened it started mm-hmm. um the monday before 
the horseback hunts started. Right. And then it just took over. Yeah, I think there we ended up doing three or three. Well, or that's four when hunts. I knew you were bored. Was when you were like redoing your backyard for a month straight. Just like, what the hell else am I gonna do? <laughs> well, I sat. That's so funny, man. I actually ended up sitting in my in my house for like two or three two or three weeks straight. Yeah, and like really just trying to figure out like I need something to fucking yeah. do. Yeah, and then I just was like, all right, well. I don't like this cement slab in my backyard. Yeah. Started hammering out concrete with a 20-pound sledgehammer. Yep. And, you know, kind of turned my backyard into a disaster. So. Yeah. No, it looks good. It looks really good. It's getting there. Part of the game. Yeah. We got, we'll have to do a Kika hunt next year. That uh, I'm I'm in for one of the cowboy camps. That's yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, we'll have to figure that out. And then are you coming down to the Bay Area, or is that not happening anymore? Or? No, that's not happening. That, that buddy of mine's a... I love him to death, but he's a fraud. Like, every oh, single time you make a plan, he's like, oh, wait, I can't do it. I'm like, all right. What, just to go to wine country? He just, he makes everything a bigger deal than it has to be. Come down. Just I come got, down and hang out. Come down. I'll, I'll take there. you out. Let's we'll go it. around. We'll do some fun stuff. Game on. Let's do it. Right on, man. Thanks. everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the show, folks. If you'd like to check us out online, our website is www.theflipflopguy.co. You can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this, and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at the flip flop guy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to smash that subscribe button.